and welcome back to Get Real Gaming. It's the show where we get real, talking about the latest and greatest in video game news, reviews and releases. I'm your host, Richard. With me, as always, it's my very good dear friend who looks like he's conducting currently. What are you conducting over there, Lawrence? Conducting you. Oh, bloody hell. He's, he's waggling his fingers over... Yeah, I am. Oh, God. Right. How are you doing today? You okay? I am very tired. I've I've had a meeting on my day off. I'm not happy. No, but, but you, we move. At least it was just a meeting. It was just a meeting. Very luckily. good. Yes. Nice. Okay. How well, are you? Yes, I'm good. Thank you, Lawrence. Very good. We're having a good time right now. Um, so are we? I mean, other than the fact, are I mean, this is it's potential. I mean, Elon is causing trouble again in, in the Twitter. What, what, what is he doing now? For God's sake, Elon, what are you doing now? He's He said he'll bring back Trump if, uh, if he owns... Oh, bloody hell. He's bloody gone and said it, hasn't he? He's only gone and... Bloody hell, Elon. Well, regardless of your feelings towards that, it doesn't matter, because we're not here for him, we're here for you, and we're here for us. So... Let's talk about what's come out this week. Lawrence, has anything come out this week that you want to mention? I don't bloody know. Has game... anything came out this week? Let me see. Game yeah. releases. Yeah. Salt... Let me take a look. Salt and Sacrifice is a oh, uh, action... salty right now. action RPG. It's oh. come out. Um, let's have a quick look into... Yeah, Salt and Sacrifice. New releases. It's the follow-up to Souls-like Dark Fantasy RPG Salt and Sanctuary. In a uh-huh. land plagued by powerful and twisted mages, the condemned marked inquisitors sorry, take up the hunt. A once peaceful kingdom is plunged into chaos by encroaching tides of mages. So it's some, uh, some dark souls-like type fantasy RPG game. I mean, good luck. You got up against Elden Ring, son. So, uh, yeah, you do have the Elden GG. Ring on your back. Yeah, it's true. Right, well, uh, what else has come out this week? Let's see here. What else came out? Um, We've had uh, Evil Dead The Game is coming out on the 13th. Um, oh, Wolfie, another yeah. uh, five-player symmetric multiplayer, which no one really wants. And um, Ayuden Chronicle Rising, it's uh, an action RPG. Oh. It's come out on uh, most platforms here. We can see it's on the Switch as well. It's good reviews, apparently. It seems decent, so it might be worth checking out if you're into it. It's got kind of that... Um, you know what? It, it actually looked like a... Um, what was the... Was it like Time Chronicles or something? What was it? It was like Tales of Tales of Chronicles. Was there a... It looks just in the art style of whatever the one I've just said out loud that someone listening has gone, oh, that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean what, like, like, um, tales, uh, like Tales of Arise yeah. or something like that? Or oh, ta- God. Tales Who of knows? Series. Um, anyway, rising it combines a thrilling adventure through ancient ruins with the tale of one town's rise from the ashes. Um, drawn by lenses and other treasure in the nearby rune barrows, our heroes learn that the town is struggling to rebuild after an earthquake and decided to help. Along the way, they'll resolve disputes between eager adventurers and wary locals who don't think the barrows should be disturbed. There you go. So there's just a little blurb for you there on that. Um, I think that's pretty much everything this week that we need to cover. We've we know that there Nothing's is Nothing's came out. There's no news. Why are we even here? Was there a, a an indie showcase, a Nintendo one, 
supposed yeah, to be it's happening. Yeah, it's meant to be happening tonight. Okay, uh, so we've, we've picked the perfect time to record this episode. Indie, indie World oh, yeah. Nintendo. Oh, right. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well. Um, oh, wait, no, is it already... Oh, wait, no, it came out. I think it's, it's already done. It's just... It's happened. It's just... It's, it's happened. In breaking news. I'm scrolling through it. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's all... You can't... It's not... Uh, <laughs> Come on now, <laughs> bit more optimism, Lawrence. What happened in the indie world uh, showcase? Uh, wow, you're not going to believe this. This is massive news. Great, but they showed off indie games. No way. We've got um, yeah. oh. was it so Fif- fifteen games apparently total- were shown off in the indie showcase, including totally accurate Battle Simulator, which is now coming to the Switch. Um, That's not on the Switch already. No, but it will be uh, this summer. Good lord. Um, it's like Skyrim. What else was announced, Lawrence? Do you have the list? Uh, yes, I have the list here. Again. Oblitz and its adorable world. Oblitz, I don't know what Oblitz was. No. Or is. Uh, releasing early access on Xbox and PC in July 2020. It's now coming to Steam. So if you want to play it, you can right. totally play it right now. Right. Seems to be a life simulator game. Kind of thing, farming, creature collection, town life game, build okay. up your farm, befriend town folk, grow ooblets and have a dance-off. There is, that doesn't sound like a terrible time, though. It sounds like a pretty good time. It's much like Animal Crossing, apparently. Okay, well, we, we know how well Animal Crossing did, we know how good Animal Crossing is. Yeah. Well, this, this week, Lawrence, um, I wanted to... This is related to Nintendo, by the way. I wanted to have... We're going to have a big chat in a bit about Reggie's oh, no. new book. Because oh, yes, you've been listening to Mr. Reginald. I have finished it, pretty much. Um, there oh, is, I'm, there's a For the audio listeners, there's actually a bonus at the end, which is an extra hour... Uh, conversation with uh, Jeff uh, all Keely. All I know is, does he say, my body is ready? Uh, you'll have to listen to the book to find out. Oh. But no, he doesn't. Uh, oh, what's the but, point? No, but so the extra hour of Jeff Keeley stuff, I need to uh, listen through. But I want to talk about it um, in, a, in a bit. However, it's relevant because um, Nintendo have, have noted quite recently the transition to its next console is a major concern to them because they're worried about um, basically having to restart their user base in a new you know, console, which is an interesting way to say that they're worried that people will try, you know, like have to make a new account or something. When that, That's kind of what's happened previously with the Nintendo consoles. Mm. But, but these days, everyone's got like a Nintendo digital account, so... I'm not quite mm. sure what the worry is here. Um, speaking during a Japanese investor Q&A this week, um, Furukawa, who is the uh, president of Nintendo, mm-hmm. Shintaro Furukawa, I will say that correctly eventually, um, he said the company planned to alleviate the risk of resetting its 100 million plus user base by building, quote unquote, long-term relationships with its users, partly via Nintendo accounts and by using its IP outside of gaming. So it's essentially just pointing to the fact that um, that they've they've obviously been worried about how they're going to do things differently this time, you know, between the ne- the Switch and the next console versus how they've done things in the past where people have made new accounts and stuff like that and mm-hmm. new download releases. But this is 
coming off the back of other news where today Nintendo have just dropped the price of the Nintendo Switch in the US. It's now dropped. So if you haven't got a Switch already, it is now a lower price. I don't know exactly what the price is right now. Maybe you could do a quick Google while I'm talking, Lawrence, in the US. But... um, but the reason why this is all coming to a head here and why I'm talking about it is because during Reggie's book, one of the things he speaks about is actually how um, the dropping the price of the console is kind of par- partly a signal that they might be working towards their next console um, because yeah. it's one of those marketing tactics they would employ to increase the life cycle of a console before they start working towards the next one. So they've got kind of a, you know, there are things they can do in terms of spacing out the games that they put out, putting new bundles out, uh, you know, all all the marketing tactics um, to try and keep the user base growing for for its consoles. But in the past, from Reggie's experience, when they have been dropping the price significantly on consoles it is it is then indicating towards them beginning development on the next generation console it has been dropped by 40 bucks okay so this is a so what it, what was it and what is it now it was two it was uh 299 yeah uh, 299 dollars is now 259 uh 259 59 is an interesting mm. number as well um, so it's dropped to 40 so it's dropped 40 bucks uh, right Okay. Yeah, so anyway, this is all just interesting stuff from me listening to Reggie's book. But I was literally listening to a section in the book where he was talking about doing price drops and and how different marketing tactics normally, you know, how it indicates them moving towards the next console cycle, etc. And then I literally go on Twitter and see that they dropped the price on the Switch. And I was like, "Uh, oh, oh, hold on now. Um, Do you think that this means that they are now moving towards the, to, towards maybe a PlayStation 5, Xbox uh, Series S and X kind of generation? What I think it means is it means they've seen sales of the Switch slow down. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do anything in terms of competing console-wise with... Sony and Microsoft, because they might think, well, we are the mobile kind of console market and we've got a Steam Deck to compete with at this point in time. Maybe Mm. we need to now be focusing our efforts to the next kind of innovation in... Like, like they'll be asking themselves, how do we innovate Mm -hmm. the Switch? They're not thinking, how do we do the same as Microsoft and Sony? They've always got this historical innovation history. You're not talking about the Switch Pro again, are you? Well, well, perhaps I am, Lawrence. You were going to die on this hill. I can see it coming. Yeah. This is why Wii U is trending, apparently. Um, Wii U? I don't know why. (laughs) They're going backwards. I don't know. (laughs) Nintendo says it wants to avoid a repeat of Wii U with Switch's successor. So there's, there's like loads of new... News articles happening right at this moment that are so interesting, like these kind of insider information about the Switch, its life cycle and stuff like that, right off the back of Reggie's brand new book, where he very, like in a lot of detail, goes through how he made key marketing decisions throughout the the, the, the Wii's life cycle, the DS's life cycle, the 3DS's life cycle, the Wii U's life cycle, how, you know, the decisions they made to try and, you know, 
market and judge the life cycle of these consoles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, right now, it is so interesting to hear this news about Nintendo. Um, I'm trying to see... Oh, despite saying that the Switch was only in the middle of its life cycle back in February, Furukawa, this is the president of Nintendo again, indeed acknowledged that it wouldn't be around forever, but the transition to a new next-gen console is a major concern for Nintendo. Uh, it says the Switch's smooth launch has allowed them to plan and develop for the, for the console even after over five years but they are focusing on building long-term relationships with customers. Okay, so this is a repeat of some another article here. So there's mm-hmm. been one general statement from the president of Nintendo here, and, and people are pulling what they can and extracting certain bits of information um, and extrapolating, we could say, whether or not mm. the headlines that they're reading out that we're, we're, we're telling you, the listener at home, about are true or not. Uh, they're extrapolating information to write their articles based on. So you never know, really. But they made me click. So they got the click. They got a click from me. And um, that's it. Then we move forward. So I do want to talk more about the book later. But um, for now, that was just a, a hot take on what's going on in, with Nintendo right now. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a lot, Lawrence. Quite a lot. Yes, quite a lot. And I, I, I have a, a news article here about uh, some new technology. Oh, yeah. Technology. We, we love a bit of technology. Um, we do like a bit of technology. So there is this uh, prototype that's been given out to journalists and testers and all this called, uh, you might you might have heard this actually. Go on. Uh, the Viture One XR Glasses. I, I have not heard of these. You've not heard of this. Okay. No. Well, 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 Sonny Jim, this is, the, these glasses have, like, I want to buy, I want to get a pair. Okay. They're very, very cool. Okay. So, I want you to picture, I'm going to I'm gonna bring you on a journey with me. Mm-hmm, okay. You're on a plane. Oh, yes. There's a plane, I'm in a plane. <laughs> this a suddenly plane. feels like we're, now we're doing D&D. Am I you're on in the plane. plane or in, in a plane? You're in the plane, you're in a seat in the plane. I want to see, am I, is it the window seat you, or the aisle seat or is it the middle seat? Uh, you're in the aisle seat. Okay, what time of day is it? It's roughly it's uh, afternoon going into evening. Check for traps. <laughs> uh, roll me d twenty. <laughs> oh no, I've not got one. Oh, to roll no. the fame. Yeah, fourteen. Uh, there's no traps on the on the plate. Hang on. Maybe a lot. Let's talk about check for traps on plates. Um, well, so, just to make sure you, there's no snakes hiding in there. You, yeah. Hiding in the compartments. I'm sick and tired of these goddamn snakes. Yeah. On my imaginative plane. Yeah. So you've got a Steam Deck. Okay. Or a Switch. Or a laptop. Right. Or a phone. Okay. I think a phone. Maybe a phone. I'm not quite sure yet. Right. And you have a pair of these Virtue One XR glasses. Okay. And when you put on these glasses, it displays the screen of whatever you want to play right in front of you in crisp 1080p at 60 frames a second with a pixel density of 55 ppd. Okay. I don't know what that means, but uh, with no, with no, like no, the nose thing's adjustable and everything's adjustable, so you can wear it eat, like without your glasses on because you can adjust it to your prescription lens. Right. Okay. Um, now, now you no longer have to look down to play your games. You can look straight ahead. 
Right, so... Or up, uh, or down, or left and right, whatever you want. But this is the most... Be- I would say the best way to kind of stream content and play video games in a VR sense, but without a VR kind of like the whole shebang. It- it's literally a pair of sunglasses. I'm going to send you an image now. Uh, if anyone looks up uh, Viture, V-I-T-U-R-E, uh, glasses, they will be able to see this image which I've just said, Richard. Now, it is a pair of oh, literal yeah. sunglasses. Yeah, it's just like the, fancy the, glasses. The screen uh, is like projected out, like projected in front of you with the audio coming out of the frames. Um, it's okay. a very, very cool piece of tech. Okay, uh, so what happens with these glasses then? Is the glasses... So do you still need the device that you want to play things from on and in front of you? I believe so. I need to. I did have the website. Here's, here's and, the website. Um, here we go. So this is this is on Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, oh, it comes with the best cloud gaming services pre-installed, so you can have GeForce Now. So you don't even have if you want. Like, say you got on your rig, or because you've got the Xbox and Parsec already pre-installed, you just have to log into your account and you can play. Right, okay. So, well, you can't do that on a plane, but you can definitely do it... Well, not on a plane, but anywhere, basically. Yeah. And the way the way it is, it's basically just, like, projected out in front of you. Interesting. Yeah. So, it's, so it's, to, it's to help to alleviate the uh, so-called gamer neck, where, you know, you're kind of looking down, yeah. you're down, you now can look just straight ahead of you. So is it... So for non-streaming, like, you know, service games or whatever... Are we talking like, you know, like a, a, a stream, just like a Bluetooth or something? Or does I it have to be it is, plugged into your uh, It's Bluetooth. Device? You can play, from, the, from the images I'm seeing, you don't actually have to be plugged into the device. It's like this, it's, you've got the glasses, but you've got, I think you've got something around your neck, like here, around the back of your neck, right. I believe. Okay. That is kind of like a transmitter kind of thing. Uh, Lawrence, you can watch Netflix, is- Disney Plus, Hulu, <laughs> YouTube, Patreon Max Stars. You can watch all sorts. It's great. It's fantastic. Is you can this- also use it on the Switch. Is this just a pair of glasses with mirrors pointing down? So you can <laughs> so you can I, I look up. I actually don't. But then don't the reflection so, in the no. mirror just looks down at whatever device you've got in front of you at the table. Is that not what this is? No. I don't know. Okay. Unless, unless I had a pair, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Well, but if it mu- was that, that would have been hilarious. How much is it on Kickstarter? Uh, it is currently four hundred US dollars. That is an expensive pair. Well, you say it's an expensive pair of sunglasses, but I've mm. seen sunglasses that are much more expensive that don't do any of that, Lawrence. The, uh, probably you can have a mobile dock which enables you to sync and watch movies together with a friend. So if you've got two pairs, you can watch the same movie together. All right. So what you so what you said is that this has yes. been sent to people already. Yeah, to PR people, journalists, and also there's an article on it on PC Gamer. They did a, a slight kind of review on it, what and they're did, pretty impressed. So they're pretty impressed because these this yeah. is the thing with Kickstarters, right? You got to be careful with tech Kickstarters. Mm. That's that's possibly part of the reason why they've sent it to a bunch of people because tech Kickstarters can often not deliver at all. Yes, so that's what you have to be careful. Of. That's what you got to look out for. But apparently, this 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 journalist um, on PC Gamer was able to write the majority of the article using the glasses and just typing away as wow. like a second monitor. 
My, my. Now, 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 could you imagine if, like, this, the, obviously the price went down and, you know, some gaming groups had this. You could play Dungeons & Dragons very, very immersively with this thing. Yeah, that would be And have really it all cool. synced up to the same thing. Yeah, if it could all sync up, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Really? Uh, apparently, apparently promises to be more immersive than a small handheld screen. Um, but okay. you'll be able to hear what's going on around you. Okay. That kind of thing. There is a slight screen translucent problems. There is still a few problems with it. Sure. They, they have been sent the prototype. Yeah. The prototype does exist. Okay. So Excellent. We, we are slowly moving into the generation of our, um, AR and VR and that kind yes. of thing. I do believe personally that AR is is the is kind of the accessible next thing for people where you can have like you can be wearing a pair of glasses and listening to something but maybe you're listening to a YouTube video and then you've got the YouTube video kind of in the corner of a, on a display in your glasses so that you can kind of occasionally look towards it and look over to it to understand kind of you know what you what's going on things like that will cause other issues down the road uh you know when we're talking about driving and we're talking about yes other applications where you need not be distracted but those I are mean, problems it'll make meetings a lot more interesting well certainly would um that would that would be that would be something but mm. um very interesting. Is there a estimated production there is. delivery There's date? There's estimated delivery. Bloody hell, what is it? October 2022. No, shut up. Not this year. <laughs> this year, October 2022. Well, they are preparing to launch this year. We are going to need, Lauren, we're going to need a pair of these in the studio. We're going to need a pair. We, we're, we're going to need, need a pair to, of them. We need to get in touch with them and go, hi. We need a pair of them to, to review them. We need to keep we up do. to date with this. We need to... I will, I will keep an eye on this. Don't you Don't you worry. Very this good. has been apparently in production since June. Like They've got the first prototype working in, July, in June 2021. Right. Okay. So, hmm. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's, let's keep an eye on that. And um, mm-hmm. that's Ooh. good tech news. It, they, they've got they, they sorry they, they've just listed their partners up on here and that's quite it's you know quite a big name as a partner. Go on, uh, Google. Oh, um, <laughs> well, Google did have the glass. Do you remember the Google yeah, glass? They had the glass, so they might might be using that tech to help. I actually, uh, I actually wore a pair of Google glass once. Oh yeah, I actually got What's a chance like? to put one on. Um, honestly, pretty yeah. pants. Um, but it was interesting that what they were able to do was to focus any sort of display at that time within Mm. you know one eye's worth of view of a viewport so you could actually read something the fact they could do it at the time was incredible but you could literally only get like one one and a half words on the screen at one time because the display was so small and pixelated and it was like it was like staring at a, a game boy original game boy again but only you know one tiny little square part of the screen or something Jesus. that's what it was like um well i've, I've just way. seen their other uh, the other partner mm-hmm. it's a company called foxconn oh we know foxconn we do know foxconn yes. well i know they foxconn are, do you know foxconn for people that don't know foxconn uh they are a manufacturer famous for the, being the maker of apple products Yes, Foxconn are a chip 
manufacturer, I believe. Mm. So they they do all the mobile chips and everything. So this is bad, spicy, Lawrence. I'm going to tell you so right now that the fact they've got spicy. Google, Foxconn. I've also got uh, a a uh, design firm called Layer. Yes, uh, they, and they've designed the uh, iconic speakers, partnered with many top brands such Google and Nike, that kind of stuff. So this is this thing is it's got legs. Well, um, it's got lenses but well same thing when it comes to glasses lawrence one might say they do need well designing because if they look stupid then no they're not gonna gonna get no it's like um it's like the snap uh glasses do you remember when snapchat did a pair of glasses <laughs> yeah they, no one wore them they weren't like the worst looking pair of glasses but they no. stuck a camera on the oh sorry they stuck a camera on the side of like where one lens was and then yeah. when you were walking around, anybody at any time would just be paranoid you could be recording a video of them. So it was just a terrible idea in general because you're yeah. just wearing a big camera that's activated by a touch of a button on the side of the glasses. This doesn't look like it has any camera and it doesn't need no. one. I'm going to be honest. I don't no, think ca- I don't think it, cameras belong. It's more belong. a device, I think. I don't think cameras belong on glasses right now. They just no. don't. Straight up, they don't. Or- it's interesting though because they put an article here that um, they call this the XR, as in extended reality. Yeah, XR is this is, a new keyword. XR is definitely a keyword out there. There's VR, there's XR, there's AR. So extended reality is is a known uh, keyword. Yeah, uh, but it's very uh, it's, underused right now. It's not it's not well used, but it kind of blends the the two together. It's kind of like AR VR. One of the Experience. developers worked on Google Glass. There you go. It's happening, Lawrence. This it's is happening. giving me hope. I, this but, is actual. So, but you could. You would have to get. You would have to get your own prescription in these lenses. Or I. Th- I'm not sure because I, I'm seeing some things here where they're like they're able to put their glasses inside the actual. Like things, so like as an overlay kind of thing. But but then it's but then the glasses, these glasses have their own thing that goes around your ear as well. So it's there. You go. It says um, like there's like a dial on the top of it which you can change the lenses, so it actually adapts to your eyes. So that is just like um, like the VR headsets having a focal length kind of thing. I'm actually now just reading through the Kickstarter. You know how we said about you know. Uh, YouTube stuff in the corner. Yes, you can do that with these things. Yes, very good. ambient and immersive modes. I am. I, I I want a pair of these. I I, I want a pair. <laughs> I mean, I need a pair. The thing is, right, is now this is the difference between buying a pair of these, right, or you could buy a Steam Deck. So if you had to yes. sit there with the, for the same price, so if you had to make a choice between a Steam Deck and a pair of these glasses right now, Lawrence, what would you be going for? I'd pair buy a pair of these. Right. Okay, justify it. Why would you do that? Brand new technology, because, brand new environment. Um, probably very. You got. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I just, I'm just, I'm just interested. Well, it's because the Steam Deck is going to get an, an upgrade. Pretty, I say in the next year or two. That and I would say these. You can use it on more things than a Steam Deck. You can use it on your phone. You can use it on a uh, PC. You can use it on your games. You can use it on an iPad. You can use it wherever. Right. You know, well, with Steam Deck, you can you do a lot of things with it, but like they recommend this, the XR glasses with the Steam Deck. Right. So they are saying you buy this, that you connect it to your Steam Deck, and then you then they uh, let's just say it's a must-have for Steam Deck. 
I am trying to work out in my mind how because the Steam Deck's controllers are all on the Steam Deck. They're they're obviously it's an attached thing. It's, so the screen is still going to be on on the Steam Deck. Uh, I think so. I'm not sure. So thought, you're going to be on, sat there's, there. There's a picture here. Okay. There's a picture here where I, it looks like you are able to plug it into the Steam Deck and there's like a wire which attaches to the glasses. So I wonder, like, a head, like a headphones. Right. So I wonder if that would turn off the display then on the Steam I Deck. I think it would. I think it would How? and then just projects into the like glasses. Like a dock. Like a dock. Like you're yeah. docking it. Yeah, exactly. Something. Like a dock. Oh my God god i need or, we need more we need these we need or, press to do videos have someone done a video on this already That's uh like, no pc gamer have done the, the the review on it or you can plug the steam deck i think into the mobile dock which then yeah. syncs up to the glasses yeah yeah you might not you won't be able to play anything but unless you unless the steam deck has bluetooth which then you can wire up which you can bluetooth a xbox controller okay and then you could just literally walk around with an xbox controller <laughs> there there is there are videos of the Virtua One XR glasses on YouTube. I'm just going to have a quick look through here. Is uh, are there any with glasses with people with glasses? That's what I want to figure out. The, um this looks oh, a bit more like a and I, oh yeah, so the guy's wearing so in order to do it, the guy is wearing a pair of glasses and then there's a wire, like you said earlier, and it's it's coming off off those to a thing around the neck and the thing around the, the neck looks a bit like um it's like an immersive speaker kind of thing yeah i mean do you need that like is that technology necessary so. or not because i wouldn't want speakers uh, around my well, neck i'd well, want you, a pair of headphones you can just buy the glasses so i think the neck band is optional okay they recommend it but it's optional yeah uh, i would not i wouldn't band. be doing that um, the glasses, the glasses itself, is a native three D movie player, and apparently you can you can control the menus with like it fall, it tracks your head, right? So it's got it's got a gyroscopic in it. Yeah, this um, a gyroscope in it. This this mature video is um, is a promotional video which virtualizes what they ex- want the experience to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the actual experience, so. I would be interested to see about the the ah, the, okay. the focal lengths and the. So, go on. In the, you, FA, you, in the FAQ of the Kickstarter, it says, "What if I order wear glasses?" It says you could. It says you can easily adjust each lens of the glasses to your prescription. Interesting. So you could do. Uh, up to the top. Wow. So I wonder if that if that accommodates everyone and every type of. Some people well, are long sided, long people are short sided. Some people are both. Some people yeah. are. I'm, I'm, I'm both in both. Yeah. Eye, but you can go from zero to minus five, five point five hundred, five point zero d. Uh, d. So that's okay. quite a big range. Yeah. Um, okay. So apparently, uh, Meta are also doing AR glasses right now. So there's going to be some oh, competition. Oh, 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 I've got, I've got a news article about Meta. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's uh, here's your chance to uh, shine. Uh, well, well, well. Let me just get it up. So, Facebook shifts the meta, right? Yes. And they're talking all about oh, everything's virtual, everything's virtual, virtual. Everything's virtual. Ever virtual. Yes. Well, in California, on the same day, they opened up a real world store. Incredible. That's. <laughs> 
<laughs> but of course, you have to be able to go in to buy the real headset to they, take yourself they, to a virtual. They've got plans. Con- they've got plans to launch the metaverse and convince today's youth to sign up. Yes. It's taking place in the form of a brick and mortar store. A brick and mortar store, yes. Because of, oh. because of obviously they need to get people in to t- put the headsets on. They've got people putting their grubby heads around all of these oh. grubby meta quests. No one like no one likes that. No one likes that. No. But that's that, they've got to do it now. They're they're in the market. They're in the mm. hardware market now. Doing the hardware. You know, they've bought the Chrono Cross. That's the one. It looked like, anyway, sorry. Chrono uh, Cross. That was it. Sorry. Anyway. Oh, yeah. That's so... been bothering you since <laughs> we've been recording, isn't it? Oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they, they will need a hardware store if they are selling hardware. And then they'll obviously be then selling their glasses in the store. And, oh, come and try on mm. the glasses when they do the meta glasses and all that stuff. So. I think glasses are on the way, Lawrence, based on what you're saying. But will it be yes. the will it be the quote unquote smaller, not really smaller, kickstarted uh, virtual virtual What? How are we saying it? Virtual. With their with their you know kind of bespoke software and integration. Or is it going to be meta with their login to Facebook to scroll your feed in AR? I think I don't. I don't think meta is going to be it because mainly because the youth, the youth of today, in quotation marks, hate Facebook with a passion. Yeah. So, so um, Google are actually hosting an IO uh, thing, but they've just done one. I think they've just done an event, but I don't believe I don't really know what they've announced uh, tech related and whether it's relevant or not. But they've just done. Their own, but I'm assuming they've not mentioned it yet, but because mm. they're only kind of invested or working on it, right? So, um, okay, well, well, do we need some good news? Oh, listen, I'm here for good news every day. What? What's? What's well, the, good the you know you you know this good news? Okay, there's been a breakup between FIFA and EA. Oh, there there has hasn't there? Yeah, there has been a breakup. It's there good news. Been. It's good news for football fans, football fan gamers. Okay. Maybe not so much for everyone else. Right. Uh, FIFA, uh, the EA have now tra- trademarked EA Sports FC, and that's supposedly what the FC. next what the next game is going to be called. EA Sports FC. Fucking My God, amazing. that sounds like um, the small town football club. <laughs> it sounds like the indie game where, where the the coach of the team is actually just the um, the One PE of the teacher. The, the PE teacher at your local high school. EAFC. EAFC. Yeah. Let's go. So apparently this this actually is a good thing for EA because a lot of their um a lot of the things which they've wanted to do and give to players has been restricted by FIFA and Adidas. Um, Wait, Adi- Adidas? Was, what, 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 what? Uh, Adidas was linked with FIFA and FIFA with the EA and the EA football games god imagine being a clothing company linked to like so the only well yeah you know at this stage but the only sports like the only sportswear license that could be shown was adidas in fifa games so now they can go to like nike and puma and all these other ones go oh do you guys want to do like a uh, a deal or we want to put your things in the game how much is it going to cost i Uh, they i bet lawrence we are going to see uh, mm-hmm. Nike's Reflect NFT company integrated <laughs> into the into FIFA, it, well into EAFC somehow. You're going to be able to buy 
Nike Reflect virtual outfits for your football team, but they're going to be actual NFTs. I'm telling you right now. Uh, listen, timestamp <laughs> this. Don't, we'll return don't, don't to this. Give the, don't give them ideas. Stop it. <laughs> we'll Stop. return to this. I Stop. promise you. If NFTs, I mean, <laughs> crypto and all that's been a bit of a bad one this week. It's been a bit of a weird one. Um, but we're not financial advisors, nor is this a an investment podcast so we won't go into it but it but they but if nfts survive that's what'll happen that it'll be well, it's a guarantee well the, the, the they did a uh, ea did a blog post about what the future might be and trying to reassure players uh that you know the uh game modes are going to be there they're going to be more expansive than ever which i now fully believe because they're kind of now just completely independent yeah um, you know they don't have to. They don't have to pay uh, like a hundred million to FIFA a year. No. All that money is going to go into development, which is going to be great. I can't wait for it. Uh, one of the things they've mentioned, which I think could be quite interesting, is um, integration with real world football, with shows and live matches, and uses players' presence more aggressively in game and a right like wider wider range of cosmetics and that kind of thing. Kind of like Fortnite. Right. In- so I think I, I think that could be quite interesting. Like, you know, in-game events will say the World Cup's happening uh, and they've just paid FIFA bloody and 100 million to feature the World Cup. Let's say that. And that's now, that's now in the game and you can play the World Cup and then that's like a limited time event. Right. In career mode, pro clubs and ultimate team, whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's an interesting one for, for well, I can't say FIFA anymore, but it's an interesting <laughs> no. one for... The fo- EA football games. Do you think um, the term FIFA now is so ingrained into the football game itself that pre- I think people are going to struggle to make the the the, the switch? It, it, it is a bit. It is a bit difficult right now to kind of not say FIFA when you think of EA because it's been there for God, how many? How many? Uh, first FIFA game was made in the Sega Mega Drive in 1993, so it's. Like it's as old as years. I am. No, not thirty. It's, it's I'm not quite old, thirty. It's, oh, twenty, <coughs> twenty-nine. Twenty-eight. So it's as old, it's, Thank it's you. It's as old as me. How dare you? It's as old as me, <laughs> which is pretty insane when you think about it. Yeah, honestly, that's... I am very old. <laughs> <laughs> a young man age 30 there he is in jokes um yeah but like now fifa has said yeah this isn't like we can now we're no longer going to do the exclusive licenses okay we're yeah. gonna we're gonna be able to spread it out it's kind of like lucas arts and okay. and the star wars license they're, yeah. they're no longer so it's 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 kind of opening up, and I think it's going to be great for consumers. So it's good news for for a lot of football and sports fans like myself. Yeah, give give some more money to EA and get your virtual FIFA. Don't and, buy uh, Ultimate Team Pack; just get them for free on Twitch and get uh, Amazon Prime Gaming while you also get a free sub. Very Why much. not? Why not? Why not? Well. Here's some Sony news. We'll throw it over to the other side of the... Oh, dear God. Go on. Sony's CFO insists AAA game quality will deteriorate if it adopts a Game Pass-style strategy. So this is a a spiky Mm. headline. Um, Sony CFO Hikori Totoki 
has reiterated the corporation's belief that the quality of its first-party games would decline if they were added to PlayStation Plus on day one. But this is this is funny because they don't actually have that many first-party games in general on the PS5 right now, and, and upcoming, versus Microsoft and, Nintendo, uh, Microsoft and all the studios that they own currently. I would just like to say Microsoft does it, and they make a mint... Yeah, I mean, one of one of Microsoft's biggest franchises alone, Halo, didn't even didn't even need to be released as an actual game. It was a free to play, you know, online, you know, service. It was a live service, you know, by that time. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the company's new PS Plus subscription service will begin rolling out this summer and include a library of hundreds of games. However, unlike Microsoft's Game Pass service, it will not add first-party games on the day of their release. We covered this a few episodes ago when it was originally announced, but, yeah, so Game Pass is is, is Xbox and Microsoft's, you know, uh, well, it's how they're making their money right now, Lawrence, let's be honest. This is the deal. The hardware is just access to the software and the software mm-hmm. is just a subscription service to the software uh, because right now that's how that's how the market is. Free-to-play games that you can pay a live service to, to pay to play on. Or in, I guess in Fortnite's case right now. Did we mention this last week? We might not have. We can bring it up in a minute. In Fortnite's case, you don't actually need to be... Um, to be paying for uh, your Xbox Live because it, it makes sense to for for yeah. Xbox and and Epic Games to agree not to to enforce that on children and younger younger audiences while there's still money to be made in the mar- in the in game marketplace. Um, yeah, speaking as part of a Q and A session following Sony's financial results this week, CFO Totoki inferred. Um, that were Sony to follow Microsoft's Game Pass model, it could result in fewer resources allocated to first-party titles and thus a decline in quality. Now, do you I, think... I, I would just like to say... Go on. Because I've, go I've on. just been doing a bit of research here. Okay. A year, in year a yearly, by on the, stand, like the standardization of 25 million Xbox Game Pass subscribers, which is costing $10 a month, mm-hmm. that's $10 Per two twenty-five million Xbox games uh, Game Pass subscribers, yes, it would that alone would generate just under three billion yearly. <laughs> yeah, but oh, because of the first party, <laughs> yet Sony is like, oh no, we won't put it because it'll degrade our quality. And yeah. we won't be able to. It's like it, it's a no-brainer. Put well, it on there. Yeah, I think it's because you know you're right obviously on the xbox side of things but we have this issue with sony where they're not going to have that many people on this playstation plus service and so they're oh, going my. to go on the playstation is putting 300 million more into first party games and aiming for multiple platforms which includes the pc they have a pc division yeah this is um <laughs> it is a very strange well i mean these guys have got the numbers we don't have the numbers but it is strange to say that when it is the bread and butter of Microsoft right now, and Microsoft is starting to really bring it back um, in terms of loyalty, new player bases on PC, etc. Um, and now, Lawrence, uh, you know, this is the news that we just stopped bringing earlier, um, but now you can play Fortnite again on your iPhone without even needing Fortnite on your iPhone because they've 
they've given everyone access to Fortnite on the cloud gaming service for free. And this is something that normally for every other game you have to pay for. You have to pay to use the cloud gaming service. Um, you have to be in the ultimate tier, but not for Fortnite. You can just you can just in, you go to the website on your phone, download the the little widget to bring you up to your Xbox, uh, the, the I, Xbox I Cloud don't Gaming even page. Just think it's your phone. I think you can play it anywhere on PC as well. Yeah, on PC as well. But obviously, with Fortnite not being on the iPhone anymore, yeah, you can you, you can still it. now play it, and it completely circumnavigates apple's payment system because actually it goes into microsoft's so microsoft is making their 30 percent instead of apple now through any in-game so purchases question. through cloud gaming yes would you be able to play it on a playstation even though you, you can play fortnite on playstation anyway, but would you be able to play the xbox <laughs> cloud version on the playstation I don't see why not, because it's just a web page that streams video content. It is literally just a web page, and yeah. it would be a massive FU to Sony. Yeah, it would be a huge one. I believe so. I believe that's oh, entirely like, possible, Lawrence, I, yeah. I need, I, need to, uh, I need to test this. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. You can give it a good go. But this means that it basically what happens is... <laughs> Sony, Sony, you're just messing yourself up here, fam. Come on. Yeah. Come on now. You're eventually going to cave and give everyone the first party game. And everyone's going to be like, we told you this five years ago. But this is the thing, right? Like, what first party titles have they even got at this point? PS5's first party titles are next to none. There's like three total. Yeah, because they're all coming out later this year or next year or the year after that. Because they have nothing again. Yeah, and this is is not bringing loyalty to playstation 5 purchasers playstation fans playstation the user base and it isn't bringing goodwill to anybody and it'll hurt no, in the long the run studios even the playstation studios this is from uh, the god of war director right. he said several playstation studios asked to put their games on pc wow because like, they, yeah the, the market- money's in pc the money is in pc it's it's just elsewhere other than the PlayStation 5, while they can't even make enough to sell enough, people just aren't buying the PS5 right now. No. You know, people are getting it eventually, but they're going to need a price drop, they're going to need accessibility, and what they've actually done instead is started making more PS4s and put money into that. It's no wonder they don't want to give people first-party titles. They're still, they're still making last-generation's console because they can't afford to... to to sell and make their current one yeah and and it's not, it's not only that like they they're just they're de- they, they were not prepared they are not prepared for a console launch yet they did a console launch with did they even launch with a game exclusive uh miles morales uh, miles morales, miles morales yeah. and that was it that's a, that's not that's like a dlc at best yet they're giving that away for free if you get a play the new playstation plus yeah so but, it's like Compare compare the lineup of Xbox and Sony since the since the new consoles that came out. Xbox has been considerably better than Sony. Mm-hmm. It's just and there's no there's there's no war because Microsoft destroys them with the Game Pass because of the first party releases. Everyone buys the Game Pass. Not only that, Lawrence, but there is actually other another piece of news about Microsoft. They have got a new patent that could allow physical games to be verified for digital use. In a yes, quote, I saw this. a disc to digital program, 
um, that's been in the works for some time that would allow physical games to be verified for use as part of an Xbox digital library. So it's more access to games digitally via the cloud or via Game Pass. And you can, you know, kind of register your game by also owning a physical copy of the game if you did. You know what? I, th- I think maybe they'll like, do like QR codes or something, but like that would make the Xbox Series S a digital only console insanely valuable because you could go get pre owned games, scan them in, done. Yeah. It, it would blow PlayStation 5 out of the water even more so because of the Game Pass. Yeah. Like Sony are so far behind. They're, yeah. they're, on, they're on par with the Dreamcast at this point. Yeah. So this is saying in the patent. It suggests that players would be able to use an external disk drive, in this case, an Xbox One, in order to verify ownership of a game. They would then be able to play the digital version on their Xbox Series S, which is a digital-only console, Lawrence. So you could own an Xbox One legacy console. You know, you have that maybe as your kind of... You've got it in the house in your bedroom or something. And then you've got an Xbox Series S as your kind of TV console or whatever and it would just know that you own the game on your local network and mm-hmm. give you access to the digital version of it as a license because you you're on the in the same house so this disc to digital thing is just more accessibility it's more access to more games and xbox can support it because they've got the library in in, in entirely in digital form based on their and game pass consumer friendly they can't. They can only do this if their first-party games are on the Game Pass on day one and they're available. This is not something PlayStation can anyone, offer. Anyone that says, "Oh no, uh, the the um, oh Xbox Game Pass isn't you know it's not consumer friendly. It's not financially viable." Have you looked in the mirror recently? <laughs> You're not financially viable. No. Honestly, just the Game Pass is the, it has been the best consumer and developer idea since sliced bread. Yeah, it's definitely been the kind of the the silver lining to Xbox's problems throughout the Xbox One's last generation. It was PS4 versus Xbox One and, um, you know, Xbox got off to a rocky start. We had PlayStation kind of dominate the market uh, in the Western audience kind of thing. It was If it's PlayStation versus Xbox, PlayStation was winning. you know, And that led Microsoft to focus away from the hardware and develop accessibility via software. And now we're at this, this point where Sony just doubled down on their hardware idea, have struggled to fulfill on that because of things have obviously gone gone on in the world in the last couple of years, but it's slowed down the player base, while as Microsoft has doubled down on software, meaning basically whatever you've got, it's pretty much now you can play, you know, like like we said this whole time, you can play you can you can pay for a service to play the same games on PC as your Xbox. You can play them on your Xbox One. You can play them on the Xbox Series S, your Xbox Series X. You can play them on the PC. There's four different platforms there, and that's before they've now got their cloud streaming service, which is becoming more and more robust. Now also giving access to games like Fortnite entirely for free without needing to pay anything for it. And Sony 
are sat here saying... Sony are lacking way behind. Saying but, no first-party titles on their subscription service. Could it um, our service? Yeah. So... What if... And hear me out here. This, this could be a ballsy move by Xbox. But go ahead. what if they decide mm-hmm. that to when when nearly all the development of the of Xbox One is is stopped what if they announce for the Xbox One specifically a cloud service to play the next gen games using your Xbox One so so you're saying this is Microsoft you're talking about this is Microsoft they're saying you're saying that you won't even need to own X. You won't even need it. No, you could just play it on your Xbox or on your, well, you could do it on your PC, but you could do it on your original Xbox One. That's an interesting idea. I think that they... You, you would have to, you'd have, to have a subscription to the uh, Game Pass, mm-hmm. like maybe the Ultimate Edition, but you would be able to play Xbox S and uh, uh, Xbox X games on the One. I think you can already, can't you? Isn't that what you can already do? I, if you can I, get you can on play, a web browser, you can play backwards compatibility, backwards compatibility ones on on there, but not new games on there. Yet. But what if you go to your web browser and sign into Xbox Cloud Gaming on your Xbox One? Then you can just sign into Cloud Gaming on your browser on your Xbox One and stream games from the Xbox Series X and S hardware. I mean, if you want to be really ballsy, you could go to your PlayStation 5 (laughs) and lock in. (laughs) Exactly. But I think that's what you can do already. So we we live in this world already, Lawrence. I'm not sure. I'm not sure sure if it's like current games yet. I think it's older games. I will will check. Yeah. I will check. Let me go check. Uh, It is... It is just Xbox One games for now, but it is in beta. Okay. So maybe, maybe. Oh, you might so it's be a license thing. It's not a. You can only play Xbox One games through cloud gaming. Uh, you, well, you can only, you can play backwards compatible ones. Yeah, there's no XS games on there yet. There's, I mean, they it's, not, the, it's not licensing. It's like it's more of a tech thing right now. You think so? Like, because because the, the, if you oh, go yeah. on oh, cloud no, gaming on. on your PC, hang you can on. stream. You can stream an XS game. Through cloud gaming, yeah. So you could technically do that to the Xbox One, exactly. And meaning, if they add more XS games to the Game Pass or the Game Cloud, yeah, you won't even need to buy a new console. No, you'll just be paying for the service, which it, the service. it's a more expensive service. You're paying like twenty, twenty to twenty four pounds a month for the for the extra, the ultimate Game Pass Ultimate. Twenty? No, no, I think it's even less than that. Um, <laughs> well, Jesus Christ! I mean, this gives you uh, this gives you all the all the games on Game Pass. It gives you the the Xbox Cloud gaming service, and it gives you Xbox Game Pass on PC. It gives you all three of those things in one pass. Game Pass Ultimate is uh, eleven pounds. No, that's just for PC. Game Pass Ultimate for PC. No, that, that that's Ultimate for both. Because if you buy the Ultimate, you get a PC and Xbox and EA Play and the potential for Ubisoft Plus and I Xbox Live Gold about EA and Play. xCloud. I forgot about EA Play, you know. The, the, P, the PC Game Pass is only £8. The Ultimate is 11 or 10 99 That is 
That is ridiculous. So that offers the the games on the on the pass, the new titles, the Xbox <laughs> the Xbox uh, Game Studio titles the day they release, discounted deals, free perks like in-game content and partner offers. You'll be able to play on the mobile and tablet from the cloud. You get the Xbox Live Gold and yep. EA Play, and yep. then eventually there is a rumor that we're going to get Ubisoft Plus on top. Lawrence, I'm I'm on the Xbox website right now. I'm looking yes. at the Game Pass games, and there are some games on this list, when they become available, they're not out yet, but when they become available, they are going to mm. be available only on the console or the cloud. So there are going to be games that you are going to be able to stream from the cloud exclusively on PC. You're not going to yes. be able to download them, but the cloud service will still be there to stream the games. Yes. That is... That's something for else. Ten, for ten ninety nine a month, or I think it's $14.99 a right. month. Yeah, oh, maybe that's what I've seen. Okay, maybe. But I swear it's, at one point I was paying 20 Uh Maybe you were paying it twice. No, I definitely was not paying it, it twice. Was, it, was, but ne- it was never 20 It was never, never, never 20 Maybe I got that wrong then. Seven. Well, that's insane for that price. Like, And the PlayStation, the, the new PlayStation Plus prices... To get the full like thing, to get the full shebang, that is uh, for the new tier. It is thirteen pounds forty nine a month. Right there, you, you go. You don't even get you don't even get the new games coming out. Amazing! This is PlayStation. This is PlayStation. Interesting. So, huh? if anyone's saying that the Game Pass isn't financially viable. Yeah. Sony has just proved that they are out of touch. They are, and I think it's not going to help uh, consumers, and it's not going to help the fan base of PlayStation users. You know, but this is the thing, like, a lot of PlayStation, a lot of the PlayStation market don't even really care a lot about all of this stuff, Lawrence. Like, they they, they care about their... Sometimes you can be locked into a system, and you can... You know, maybe you're not as like into it as we are, and you mm-hmm. don't really mind what anyone else is doing. You just like what you're doing, and Sony are catering a lot to that person. You know, here, okay, you've got your games. If you want to pay the service, out, this is how much it is. Well, you know, you can buy your games still. You know, and those people, you know, granted, they're not getting the best deal in the world, but if they like the PlayStation, they do, and and. Sony know how to make money at the end of the day. They are a company and they won't be doing things that are, you know, financially unviable for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from an outsider's perspective, we're looking at everything. We're looking at the broader scope of things. Not that they're not also checking out what the people are doing, but we, as the consumer, have looked at our options. And right now we can see very clearly that, uh, you know, Microsoft have the best bang for buck. You know, and that's just how it's going to continue. I don't think it's ever going to stop being this way. You know, like there's, there isn't an any, there isn't any amount of companies that Sony can buy at this point to change this. Because when you think of all the big players, yeah. Microsoft already has most of them. Yeah, I think EA's next. <laughs> EA could be next. Yeah, because you know. Realistically. Or, or Ubisoft. I think Ubisoft might be next. But Ubisoft have recently said that they are well-equipped to stay independent 
at the moment. Yeah. So it sounds like they're not really interested in being bought out. But obviously, you know, you know, Ubisoft also have other regional regional divisions, and we have mm, just seen Square Enix sell. sell off the majority of their Western divisions. So mm-hmm. maybe Ubisoft end up, you know, let's say they want a, a massive budget for something that Microsoft's willing to pay for. Maybe they end up selling part, you know, a division or two to to Microsoft in the future for, for certain things. Yeah. Or Sony. Or Sony. Just or you know, Sony. just just the uh, just the Raving Rabbits, uh, the the Raving Rabbits studio. Just sell that to to Nintendo because they're already doing yeah. all the Raving Rabbit stuff with, with Nintendo. Yeah. Um, Okay, look, we've 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 already talked a lot today, Lawrence. But I, I have one more news article which I think is important. We should we talk about. Go ahead, Lawrence. It's more reminiscent laying. Since we've been talking about the present and the future, perhaps we should perhaps look behind us into the past. Okay. It is twenty five years since the gold since Goldeneye was launched on Nintendo sixty four. Wow. And the. Um, Computer his- Computing History Museum in Cambridge yeah. have made full-screen split-screen, uh, full-screen multiplayer GoldenEye on the original Nintendo 64 hardware. Oh, so instead of it being the four-player split-screen as it like used to be... They've managed to do an output to uh, four, four CTR monitors. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Because it GoldenEye, yeah. in order to play multiplayer, there was obviously no internet. So the only multiplayer no, they've, mode they've, was they've got a four video split for screen. It. Lovely. Um, so you can see that happening there. They've got a lot of kit there. We can see four CRT yeah. monitors, a couple of rack units with bits and bobs going on there. They say it's around about seven or eight grand's worth of tech just to just play to four, four screen GoldenEye. Um, do you but think, I thought it's something that's really, really cool to see. Yeah. Do you think that they're just splitting and upscaling the uh, image? Like, let's say Quite you just take possibly, one output, yeah. divide it into the four quadrants, then into four separate video feeds sent to four different CRT monitors. That's how I would do it if it was well, me. Well, well, well. They they have said here yeah, it's not elegant in that it's basically you're taking a seven hundred and four times five hundred seventy six pixel image yes and just zooming into a quarter of it and That's then taking exactly that quarter what and I stretching said, it across do the full I, screen do I get it right dealing or do I get it with right? around about around about three hundred fifty five seven times two eight eight pixels give or take as a resolution for each one of those quadrants incredible by the time it's pulled up to full screen it looks all right. Yeah, I mean, it's CRT, and if you've got, if you've got a few grand's worth of tech, you could do some upscaling these days, some digital upscaling for pixel I mean, if, perfect graphics. If you work at the Computing History, Computing History Museum, surely... You've you got a couple of them knocking about, I reckon, Lawrence. You've got, you got a couple a few of, of them knocking around. Lying around. Um, and this was, um, this was to obviously celebrate 25 years of GoldenEye, and this was last weekend. They had a dev talk evening. Oh. And had three of the original devs. Uh, wow. to come and have a talk and they uh, like they you you could play the Japanese release of GoldenEye and you can see some concept art and development docs and that's brilliant uh, and also um, they were hoping to have a fully playable version of the GoldenEye remastered for the Xbox 360 but the remake was cancelled and never released that's um, a but they but they had it running on the original Xbox 360 development kit for people to play wow so yeah, that was something that happened uh, last weekend. That means it could that you could you could make a PC version of it. 
you called me, it means the files are knocking around somewhere. I mean, I mean, you could surely people have emulated Goldeneye already. Yeah. So you could emulate and then mod an emulation. You could do it. You totally could do it. Absolutely. You totally could. But we've we've seen Ocarina of Time also just been introduced into like the gaming hall of fame or something from its anniversary much. Uh, it's just I been introduced into so. something like that, Ocarina of Time. Uh, Let but me take your gander. I've just oh, got my, all this my, stuff oh, knocking yeah. around in my head, Lawrence. I'm going to need some verification on this. Uh, um, yes, it joins the, the this year's video game hall of fame. There you go. I, I knew I'd seen it around. Uh, yeah, so that's just... Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, you could definitely. That's who, that's had a else? multiplayer, and they've you know, like you said a few episodes ago, the news that it what? was they had done a full, uh, they've released a full oh. PC version of it now. That it's been modded, right? Yes, uh, I played it at uh, sixty frames a second. Absolutely no difference. <laughs> I think you weren't playing the sixty frames a second version. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I might not be. I don't know. I don't know at this point. I, I actually have just got the 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 four chosen finalists of the video game Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, which this year's finalists has some which I thought would have already been in the Hall of Fame. Oh god, uh, and some which I don't even think belong in the finalists. Okay, so the the full list of the twelve finalists were Assassin's Creed. Nope. Uh, Candy Crush Saga. Uh, I mean, it is famous. Well, yeah, but it doesn't be- doesn't belong anywhere near the Hall of Fame. Dance Dance Revolution. I-, I could see that. The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which it now is, right? Which now is this one actually stumped me. Minesweeper. <laughs> a classic. How is Minesweeper not already in the Hall of Fame? I know that's a that should be by proxy. Um, but yeah, another one, Miss Pac-Man. Mm, yeah, that's a bit of a nah. NBA Jam. Yeah, that's a weird one as well, isn't it? That's more of a nostalgia call. Yeah. Parappa the Rapper. Oh, God, that's just that's just meme life. Resident Evil. I mean, the, the Resident Evil franchise is quite, quite big. I mean, yeah, I, I think it should already be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Rogue. I've not even heard of Rogue. What the hell's Rogue? Uh, don't know, actually. I don't know. I've never heard of Rogue. And this is meant to be a finalist in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, it's Rogue. What what is Rogue? Rogue, Rogue. Oh, it's a dungeon-crawling video game released in 1980. A classic, then. Yeah. Very classic. Sid Meier's Civilization. Oh. Mm. That's an interesting And the last one, you're going to love this one. Last one, Words with Friends. Well, just, just to kind of give you all a basis, the last year's inductees were Animal Crossing, Okay. StarCraft. Right. Microsoft Flight Simulator. An interesting choice. And where in the world is Carmen Santiago? Or San Diego? They didn't really have a lot of ones to choose from last year, did they? Well, that well, th- those ones were inducted out of the 12. Oh, no, they were put in the Hall of Fame. They were put in the Hall of Fame. They're in the Hall of Fame. Oh. Carmen Santiago is in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what that is. Uh, so in this, like this, the finalists for this year was Miss Pac-Man. Okay, uh, rightly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sid Meier's Civilization. Right. Dance Dance Revolution, and of course, Have you, haven't time. you just said Mind this? Sleeper, list? Haven't you just said this? One, I swear you've just more, said this. Are you okay? I'm sure that was the. I sure I, I said the finalists. These are the ones that got through. Oh, right. Inducted. They, they got inducted. To get inducted. They got inducted. Minesweeper snubbed once again. Yeah. Into the hall, hall of Fame. It'll Why? Be, he'll be back next year for another round. 
He will be back next year, but why? It's Minesweeper. Eventually, there it's, won't, it's, eventually there won't it's be any, a, any uh, left other than Minesweeper. They'll just be like, well, I'm, everything I'm else living. is in. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to write. A, I'm gonna go write an angry letter now. Very good. But while you I'm, do that... I'm, I'm, oh, from, oh. from writing letters to writing books, I want to talk a bit oh. more about Reggie fils book. I'm livid. He's livid. Uh, so Reggie fils book book uh, is called Disrupting the Game Lines. Um... And it, it's a new release. It currently has well, it has sixteen chapters. Um, it's a if you if you're on Audible, it's like an eight hour listen, um, and it's well worth well worth every moment. Um, it, it goes through. I'm basically going to. Re- I wanted to review the book by talking to you about the book, Lawrence, without kind of okay. talking too much about what he actually says because it's okay, worth listening look. to specifically. And I've never done a I've never done a review like this so we'll see how it goes um yeah so the book the book starts off basically in a bit of a sad place because it is it, it kind of goes instead of instead of starting from him as a child it starts from him talking about his relationship and friendship with satoru iwata and ah, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. and how he reminisces a lot about that, and then goes from there to start talking about how he grew up in the Bronx, um, and it basically just goes through his life. Every chapter is kind of like a new part of his life in an autobiographical way, but there's always a kind of a business lesson or a life lesson that he explains throughout the chapters um, as to mm-hmm. kind of the decisions and choices that he had made and why he had chosen them and what he learned from them or what he wants you to learn from them because sometimes he would say something that happens quite, you know, a little early on. He learned something that then he he kind of uses his experience for the next situation they're in because as he quite rightly kind of discusses throughout the book, you're never going to make every dis- every perfect decision but how you respond and and adapt to things that are always changing as a as a businessman or as a boss of a company or you know managing people that's what really makes you uh stand out and disrupt the game to you know rename his book mm-hmm. um but it's nice because because there's a lot of things i didn't know about reggie um he talks about how he went through all of his different careers uh, mm-hmm. P&O I think he was part, was it P&O or P&G I don't remember uh, but he was in that I, he worked for Guinness for a bit he worked for MTV for a bit and um, you know he, by going through all of these these things in his life he explains how the opportunities and relationships he decided to work on and craft and build throughout his life kind of help him throughout his career um, you know and he uses the lessons he learns kind of along the way as kind of guideposts to making better decisions down the line. But mm-hmm. where it gets really good is when he starts working for Nintendo. Not because that's the part that we're most interested in, but because mm-hmm. he starts to go deeper into um, kind of the culture that he helps develop inside of Nintendo, which is very good to listen to now that we've had more recent news about kind of there being issues with Nintendo as our last episode we discussed this about Nintendo of America just having problems with employees and contracted employees but Reggie paints an entirely different picture of the Nintendo he worked at which coincides with what he said in his statement about the new news at Nintendo saying it wasn't the Nintendo that he left Um, but what's fantastic is 
him going through kind of the releases, uh, the hardware and console releases that um, that he took part in, and you hearing he he'll explain conversations he had in meetings with key people like you know Satoru Iwata, yeah. uh, the president of Nintendo, you know Shigeru Miyamoto, how he met him, and all those things. Um, so from from a gamer's point of view, you know, big fan of of Nintendo point of view, it, it was kind of incredible to hear these conversations that he had. And there's some surprising conversations he describes, kind of as if you're in the meeting with them and he's kind of word for word saying what they've said um, and what was being said in the meeting. Um, yeah, it's quite surprising how decisions that you will be nostalgic about seeing growing up playing things or buying things as a kid you know, those decisions were made in meetings he had a hand in. Mm -hmm. And so from that point of view, without spoiling it for anybody, those things were, were really awesome to hear because you, because you sit there and you think, Oh my God. So it, so it was Reggie that said this and it was him that pushed on this. And, and it really highlighted the difference in culture between the Western Nintendo fans and the, uh, the Eastern you know, the Japanese market, the Asian market that Nintendo yeah. are so used to working inside of. There are certain decisions that to the, the, the Japanese market seemed so right to do. But Reggie mm -hmm. in America had to really push back on and explain why they should do things differently for the West because the culture was so different because we had Xbox and because Sony was kind of dominating the market with the PlayStation 2 and onwards at this point, and games were all about shooters and blah, blah, blah. Whereas in Japan, you know, you would live in a multi-generational house, and so your grandma yeah. would be using the same TV as you, and so you'd never dream of putting a shooter game on there. So games had to be so different and packaged and marketed and, you know, yeah. culturally yeah. so different. And just the knowledge he imparts on you from a business, a marketing, and a uh, just general interest in Nintendo perspective makes the book a no-brainer for kind of anybody interested in Nintendo, interested in Reggie, interested in his world and his business and how he grew up and how he made key decisions. You know, we all know Reggie's uh, 2003 or 2004 E3 where uh, speech kind of, you know, I'm about kicking ass, I'm about taking names, and we're about making games. And he yeah. he explains the entire process of that happening and how that came to be. And just the inside kind of behind the scenes you get from, especially in an audiobook form, it's Reggie reading it. So he is like word for word kind of explaining it. And you just like, you feel like yes. you're just listening to him have a great big talk about it. Um, so, so as far as a book goes, this is, this book is very different to what I expected because I thought it would be more, you know, more of an outsider listening, looking into his life in an autobiographical way, but he's done it in a way that just makes you feel like you're always getting something out of the story he's telling you. And mm -hmm. I think that that is so important for having this kind of emotional relationship with the projects he's worked on. So 
yeah, it's it's a super high recommendation from me. I think the book was fantastic. And uh, Reggie, thank you for all of your hard work in Nintendo and and throughout your career and imparting what you have to the people that you managed to give your time and your effort and your energy energy for. Uh, just really appreciate it. So yeah, that's that's the book. That was kind of my hot take review on it. There you go. We've done it. On done that it. bombshell. Good I enough. think we should end it there. We certainly shall. I think you should still listen to it, Lawrence. I think it's a good time. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna listen to it. I'm gonna listen. My internet's having a bit of a wobble right now, but I will I will definitely listen to it. It's bit, it's on my list. It's on your list. It's on Excellent. my list. Alright, well we'll wobble ourselves off off the off air then. Wibble while you're wobbling off. Alright, thanks everybody oh. for listening to this week's episode of Get Real Gaming. We hope you enjoyed. Please make sure you send this to a friend if you enjoyed it as well. You can follow us at Get Real Gaming on Twitter or you can email us getrealgaming at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe, play some games, and we'll chat to you later. Bye bye for now. Bye. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Come, oh, back, come, oh, back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. So, discount code, right? <laughs> okay. Because I forgot it last week, it's now 50% off. 50? 50. Okay, what's the, what's the actual code? 50. Okay, 50 for 50. 50 for 50. Very good. 50% off. You also, Thanks, if you send this to a friend, give yourself 10 XP. Yes. You don't level up yet. Friendship plus 10. Friendship plus ten. Well, we we. I mean, I've got everyone's names here on the list. Yeah, I've got all your levels. Don't you worry. I'm yeah. keeping track of all that. Good. Thanks, Lawrence. No worries. <laughs>